Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. And today, I've got something coming right hot off the press from my high school class. In fact, it's something that really kind of caught me off guard. Um, I shouldn't say it caught me off guard is like a, it was a surprise, but it was a surprise how many young people in my high school class were affected by this. So I thought this would be a great episode for OG Therapy because this topic is very dad-friendly because it's about dads. So a little disclaimer to this, um, if I say some things in this episode that triggers you fathers out there and makes you feel like I'm attacking you, that you're not a good dad, that's not my intention. I'm just telling you some experiences that happened with a lot of students in my class, and then me giving you a little, a few suggestions, I guess is the best way to put it. So what I had happen today is something I've talked to on the Light the Fight podcast in the past. It's something I do every uh, middle of every quarter for my class. For those of you who are listening to this and maybe, let's say you hear this in this your first episode that you've heard me ever talk or your first episode of OG Therapy, even though this is on the Light the Fight podcast, I do two different podcasts um, underneath the Light the Fight brand, Light the Fight and OG Therapy. So if this first time you've heard me talk about this um then, then this will be helpful. If you've heard me talk about this before, just give me a couple seconds, I'll get through it. So I'm a high school teacher at the high school that I teach at, which is Harriman High School. I teach a class that's social health, and social health is something I created uh, before the pandemic. I started uh, teaching this curriculum at Harriman High School because Harriman High School reached out to me. They said, hey, this whole entire thing you've been talking about called social health, we like how that sounds. We want to implement something in our school that can help kids with their mental health, help them with all the things that are causing them to have uh, more anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, all those types of things. However, we don't want it to be focusing on simply mental health, just things that could help. Well, the answer I had to that was social health. It's been something I've been talking about since about 2010, and uh, it's something I developed in the nonprofit that I've ran for a long time. Nonprofit uh, held social health support groups in Daybreak, which is in South Jordan, and in Pleasant Grove for about 11 years. What we found out from those social support groups is that the number one determining factor of you having good mental health or you having bad mental health is going to be your relationships. Your relationships are pretty much the X factor. This curriculum that I teach at Harriman High School is all about helping students improve relationships in four specific categories. Relationships with family, friends, online relationships, which does include their relationship with their actual devices, um, technology and social media as a whole. And then lastly, the relationship with themselves. Those relationships are what we talk about in the class. Those relationships um, are how we focus the, the assignments and the discussions. But really, we do a lot of what's called experiential exercises. So we have the kids um, have things every single day where they say their name. They talk about something of interest to them. Uh, sometimes they'll just talk about what was their high of their weekend, what was the low of their weekend. Sometimes they'll talk about uh, what was their favorite go-to movie or cartoon when they were a kid. Uh, what's uh, their mood and their favorite food? 
So a lot of teenagers, um, which may not be surprising, shouldn't be surprising at least, they have a difficulty in just expressing basic things socially like their name in front of a group of peers or talking about what type of mood they're in. To knowing what type of mood someone is in and to help them better articulate their mood, that's helpful to people who are around them. So a lot of parents throughout the years have complained to me that they ask their kids, how was their day? They seem like you're having a bad day. What's going on? What's wrong? And they get things like, I don't know. I'm fine. I'm okay. Is is okay. And so this little icebreaker is these little social exercises I do help kids really exercise what I call their social cardio. So in this episode uh, today of OG Therapy, I'm going to be highlighting something in the curriculum that we do for the midterm. Our midterm is a social midterm. So the kids all get together. It's kind of like a, not really a circle, but kind of like a, a rectangle, so to speak, that fits the classroom. They all sit and they all can face each other and, and they have to answer two simple questions. One question is something that they wish they could change about themselves personally, their behavior, their attitude, what have you, something that's more silly. And then the second one, they uh, answer with by saying what's something they wish they could change about themselves personally, behavior, attitude, those types of things, or their past, their life. That's a little bit more serious. So I call this silly and serious. If they answer those two questions, um, then they get an A in the class. And if they show support, uh, well, answering those two questions and showing support to their classmates gets them an A in the class. This is not therapy. It's not like they have to talk about depression, suicidal thoughts. They don't have to talk about anything. We're just asking them to share something silly and something serious or something lighter and something heavier. And you get all different range of different types of things that they'll share. Well, I just got done doing the second half of the midterm. Usually when I did the, do the midterm, we do it in one specific, in one singular class. This quarter it was different. The kids went so deep and had so much, um, just so much insight and shared so much about, you know, some of their thoughts and feelings and some of their life experiences that uh, we had to continue it uh, this week. So I went in there and continued today. After the class was done, we had a short discussion. And the one thing that stood out to all the kids in the class that was the one, it was the most common factor between um, not all of them, but most of the kids in the class, both classes, had some sort of uh, issue with this relationship, um, whether it be just from distance or you know not living with that person or that person chose not to be in their life. And the relationship I'm referring to is daddies. That's right. More kids in this quarter, because I'm, I'm teaching probably, we're looking at about close to 70 kids between my two classes. I've never had this many kids in one quarter have, you know, certain struggles or certain challenges with a father figure in their life. A lot of them actually didn't have their father in life at all. When I say a lot of them, meaning... A lot of the kids who, who brought that up is their one thing that they wish they could change. So to give you an example, none of them said it exactly like this, but to give you some context, how it sounded, um, you know, a lot of the kids would, would say things like, something serious I want to change about me is I wish I was taller. Um, one kid's like, ah, I wish my nose was different. And kid didn't have a bad nose and have an ugly nose just for some reason that they didn't like their nose. Another kid was like, oh, my jawline. Oh, I wish I could pay attention. Like I'm always squirreling out. I can't focus on things. Um, I wish uh, I, you know, I didn't fight so much with my little siblings. You know, those are things that were, they're not super serious, even though they're personal things that they wish were different. They weren't like life altering or life changing. When we got to the serious one though, um, again, this is not something anyone said, but this is an example of some, some of the types of things that were talked about. 
um, let's say, for example, uh, one of the kids in class said, um, I wish that my dad wasn't gone so much. I wish that my dad uh, chose to be with us and, and his original family more than choosing his new family. I wish my dad wasn't so um, disappointed in me. I wish my dad was even present. I wish my dad lived in the same country as me. So these are types of things, not the exact same things that any of the kids said. Um, you know, I, I wish, you know, my dad was even in my life. I wish I, you know, I, I hadn't seen my dad in years, that type of thing. So as we went around the, the rectangle-ish circle of conversation, one thing that stood out to me, when one kid would open up and talk about their dad, you'd see a lot of kids are sitting there, they're kind of nervous and like, oh my gosh, like, you know, what am I going to say in my time? Not like deathly nervous, but more like, kind of like, oh, like, should I say this? Should I say that? Because, you know, they didn't have to say anything in particular. And as soon as someone would say something very heartfelt about their dad, I wish my dad noticed me more. Um, I wish I made him proud of me instead of making him disappoint in me. You would, I, I would, you know, I'd look around the room and I'd notice because I'm just serving the room. And I noticed when a kid would talk about their dad, other kids were sitting there with their heads down, thinking about the, what they were going to talk about. And all of a sudden they're like, huh? what? And they started to pay close attention. Then after that kid would say something, every now and then a couple other kids would be like, I, I can totally relate. Like, I'm going through something similar with my dad. Or even though what I'm going through is not the same. I end up wishing the same thing that my dad and I had a close relationship there in my life more. Well, I shared two uh, very interesting statistics with the kids in the class. One was that in a study that was done recently, and I've quoted this study plenty of times here on the podcast. So again, forgive me if you've heard this before, but there's a big study done about 180,000 teenagers in the state of Utah. The study was done by BYU, Harvard and Johns Hopkins university in the study. The, the data showed them that um, there's four major contributors for teenagers that led them to be suicidal, have suicidal ideations, or even a suicide attempt. One of those four was not having a father present in the home or not having a positive father figure in their life, you know, living with them. And I mentioned that to the students, and they were all like, whoa, like, ah, oh, that makes a lot of sense, you know, especially after so many people. It was pretty obvious that when you have a class of 30 people, you know, and 18, 19 of them are saying that they either have issues with their father or could relate to someone who was saying that, but they said it, they related in a big way. Well, after that was said and done, um, I shared them with these statistics and pretty much everyone unanimously said, wow, this makes a lot of sense because, you know, not having a dad in your life or an active dad or a dad that you can trust, you can feel safety, you just go and tell them anything and they're not going to you know, ground you or get you in. <sighs> Sorry, one thing about being a teacher, you got to wake up early and got a new puppy. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Been up early with the puppy as well. Having said that, a little, uh, little tired, obviously. But one thing that um, was obvious to the kids is that, you know, it makes sense that if you don't have a father in your life or a father figure, even if it's a stepdad or an uncle that lives there that plays that role, um, there's a big hole missing. And that hole, according to some of these kids, was just the balance. Um, and I'm not saying one specific thing. Um, being able to have someone push them 
but still be firm with them, but not make it personal. Um, having a relationship where they could get comfort from, you know, a male figure and, and not feel scared of men, not feel, um, like they're not manly enough themselves. I know a couple of young men always felt like they weren't manly enough for their dads. And so having that good positive male figure, specifically father figure in their life was a huge, huge hole for them. And they could see and identify some pretty, uh, pretty significant markers of, of how that's affected them in adverse ways. Um, I also shared with them that 80% of people in the U.S. prison population, now this is a study that just came out not too long ago. I can't remember who released the study, but it's, it's a legitimate study. And they had said in the study that 80% of men that were incarcerated in prison had uh, no father figure in the home. Uh, the dad wasn't present or, like I said, um, you know, n- no significant male role model, specifically a father figure male role model in their life. And, you know, it's pretty shocking because in the same study it said that um, if you don't have your mom present but you're raised simply by a single dad, you have uh, about the same equal chance of going to prison than you would if, um, if oh, so basically what they said was if you have a mom and dad, so both husband and wife present, you have the same chance of not going to prison than if you were just raised by your father alone. Now, that kind of threw me off a little bit because, you know, at first glance, I'm thinking, gosh, man, like mommy issues is something that I've struggled with. Um, not having, you know, a clear understanding of the role my mom played in my life. Um, you know, I felt that caused me a lot of torment, a lot of problems. Um, but I also didn't know who my dad was either. And so when I read that study, though, it made a lot of sense, though, because dads are usually associated with like discipline, um, you know, protection, feeling like they're worth being protected. Now, not saying that, that moms can't protect their kids and show discipline either, because I know a lot of very tough, strong moms out there, but something about that male role model, about that, that masculine energy and that guidance and that instruction, you know, in that way, um, was very healthy for both, uh, the boys and the girls of the family. So my takeaway from all this, and after talking with the kids, I want to share with you guys, like I said, not something to lecture you, not something to, I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you don't already know, but hopefully I'll be able to phrase it and kind of break it down in a way that just gives you a helpful reminder and maybe think, helps you think about something. And what, what I shared with the kids is that looking at those statistics, statistics are just trying to tell us something that's happening. Something it's kind of giving us like a, a three, like a drone view of something where we're looking down at it from a different perspective. And what I get away from those statistics, what I, what I got from the kids in my class is that men are very important for children. And I'm not just saying any man, more specifically their biological father, if not their biological father, their adopted father, their stepfather, um, maybe a grandfather that's playing a father role, maybe an uncle that's playing a father role. But I think it's important for the role to be identified and to be talked about. So I know for myself, uh, one thing that I've really worked hard on doing, and I still have, you know, still got a long ways to go, but I'm definitely making progress improvement, is talking to my son and stating to my son, hey, listen, this thing is very important. It's not necessarily important for me so that you don't embarrass me and shame, shame, like cause me to be ashamed of you, but it's important in life. 
because it's important in life, I'm going to hold you to these rules and hold you accountable for this thing that I think is important. So for me, uh, last night, give you a little example. Um, we're at, uh, it was my wife's birthday. Uh, we're at her best friend's house. They had us over for dinner, cooked my wife a little birthday dinner. And so we're over there and our kids are friends. Well, my son was running around with like little, a little uh, sword stabbing on the ground. Bang, 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 bang. Well, they got nice wood floors. And so, and it's like one of those plastic swords, but he's banging on the ground. I said, hey, son, do not bang that sword on the ground. And he's okay. And he walks away, bang, 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 bang. Son, I told you, don't bang that sword on the ground. And he goes, yeah, okay. I said, no, no, come here. And he came to me and said, now I want you to repeat back to me what I just told you. And like a typical boy, he goes, you told me. Oh, shoot, dad, I forgot. Okay. Now it was my opportunity to explain to him. I said, okay. I said, I don't want you banging that sword on the ground. But the reason why I said that is because see those wood floors and see this sharp plastic right here? This plastic can mark up their wood floors and make it not look as nice as not as pretty. They spend a lot of money on it. I know you wouldn't want to hurt or break their nice things. He goes, no, dad, I wouldn't want to do that. I said, okay, so now what did I just tell you? And he goes, oh, don't ruin their floor. And banging it ruins it. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying a mom can't do that because obviously a mom can do that. That What I just did was not necessarily uh, by any you know, sense of a... It wasn't anything that was actually masculine what I said. But what it was, it was coming from a man. My son is used to having interactions with my wife. He's used to getting things from my wife like, do your homework, do this, do that, boom, 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 boom. So because of that... You know, he may drown her out a little bit, but because that that's a common voice, it's a common uh, person. My wife's five foot two, five foot three. I'm six foot. My wife is not my size, right? And I'm 210 pounds. My, my wife is not 210 pounds. I'm more intimidating. My facial expressions, when I get mad, and if I'm like, what are you banging the floor for? Like, what are you doing that for? Knock it off. Instead, what I did was, I took into consideration that, hey, I used to bang swords on floors too. At my house, I'll get after him about it. In someone else's house, I got to share with him that that is actually a sign of disrespect. And we don't want to disrespect people's property because we dis people, if we disrespect people's property, they could say, take that as we are disrespecting them. My message for you dads, very simple. Explain to your kids what you want them to do. Don't just yelling it. Don't just yell at them for things that they didn't do. It creates anxiety in us as fathers. It creates resentment, and it can cause us to want to disassociate and disconnect from our kids. It can give us a reason. And how do I know this? Well, not just because I've worked with lots of families and I've had lots of dads confess this to me. It's because I've struggled with this. When I get irritated and agitated with my son because he just isn't knocking it off because he's embarrassing to me, he's, he's doing things that I don't like at that moment, it makes me not want to be around him. It makes me want to pull back and be like, fine, he's not listening to me. And I've made that mistake plenty of times. One thing that I learned from my wife, and I've talked about that in, a, in another episode, is that I have to explain to him the behavior, the action that I want him to give me before I go quickly straight from zero to 60 to get mad at him. I really know from my experience, but I really feel from my personal experience that if I'm less frustrated, if I'm re less resentful of my son, I will make up less excuses of why I shouldn't be a part of that process. 
it's a lot more complex when dads, you know, aren't in their kids' lives. And, um, and when I'm saying son right now, this is son and daughter. So this wasn't specific to boys saying this about their dads. It was boys and girls. So in order for me to really be there and be engaged in my son, be a part of the learning process for him, helping him learn things, I have to sit with him. I have to talk with him. I have to break bread with him. That means I have to eat food with him and talk about things I expect him and I want him to do. It's really hard to do that without coming across as lecturing. And it's also really hard to do that with patience and with um, grace, like being able to allow certain mistakes for him to uh, happen. We have to be more sensitive to the requirements as a dad today without being overly sensitive. Meaning a lot of dads I talk to, they don't want to hear as soon as I say a word like sensitive, they go, ah, no no one did that for me. People were hard on me and because they're hard on me, I'm better off for it. I get it. But I don't think the kids today, generally speaking, I hate to generalize all kids, but I think you're going to have a more likelihood of coming across a kid that doesn't really respond to that well because the world that they're living in is not the same world that we lived in. Um, a lot of people have heard that saying, you know, hard men create hard times, or no, hard times create hard men, hard men create soft times, soft times create soft men. That could be just exchange that word men for people. But specifically, since we're talking about dads right now, I think a lot of hard men created these nice soft times that we have. And I think a lot of times, not everybody, of course, a lot of men don't want, it's almost like they feel like if they're not super hard and firm on their children, then somehow they're letting their kids get a pass that's going to not have them prepared for the world. But we have to take that in, in like in, the way I see it is that we got to be careful how we how we look at that because generally speaking, yeah, that's that makes sense. You don't want to be too soft on your kids because they won't be able to have a thick enough skin to take it when someone tries to bully them, when someone mistreats them, when someone you know doesn't give them what they want. We got to be able to thicken their skin a little bit and have some calluses so they can handle that. However, if you're dealing with kids who are coming from a more sensitive background, meaning whether it be their spirit, their nature, their personality is more sensitive. And I don't want to use like, uh, you know, mean things like, oh, they're soft and, and uh, they're too sensitive. They just have a greater sensitivity to what's going on around them. And so by that, it can cause them to get in their emotions easier, get a little bit more emotional. That's not bad. But if we come with the old school approach, we're probably not going to get the response we want from our kids, or at least not as likely. So if we don't get a good response from our kids, they give us a hard time, they give us grief, they complain, they they whine, and you know we don't like that and don't want to deal with that, we're going to more likely get frustrated, get angry, and pull away from them. I'm telling you guys, do not disengage because your kids are hard to work with because they might be more sensitive or feel their emotions in a different way than we felt, or we maybe we felt the same emotions, just people didn't care as much. So in today's world, please do your best to not get overly worked up and pissed off at your kids because the more you blow up, the less you will fall up with your parenting responsibilities. More fathers are disengaged, whether it be they're on their phones, whether it be they're leaving their families for, you know, other opportunities or, you know, maybe there's just legitimate issues with their baby's mama with their, with their wife and they get a divorce or they got a divorce and it's too much drama to work with the kids. I know a lot of dads personally, they've confessed to me that they feel bad. They feel horrible that they have not been involved in their kid's life as much, but it's not worth the hassle. 
Um, it, it's very difficult for them because their kids don't listen because they don't have as much influence over them. Those can all be true. And the statistics are not lying. And from my experience, I'm telling you guys, engage. Stay engaged. Be less angry by taking more time to teach them instead of bark orders at them and yell at them. Just just accept that they have more sensitivities to the things that we say. It doesn't mean that they're too soft. It doesn't mean that you can't be firm with them. It doesn't mean that you can't give them hard truths. But if you give them the relationship and the connection that every kid desires, they want to make you happy, fathers. They don't want to disappoint their dads. It's not a kid walking around out there that wakes up and say, I want my dad to be disappointed in me. I want to make him angry. And I want to do the complete opposite that he wants me to do just to get even with them. Kids don't wake up like that. They're not born like that. Some stuff has to happen where they feel like they're not loved. They're not appreciated. So if, you, if you're a dad who's in the past who you can honestly listen to this and say, yeah, I've been guilty of that. Well, then go acknowledge that you've been guilty of that, but acknowledge it not like, I'm sorry I haven't been there for you. Sorry I didn't show up to your baseball game. Sorry I didn't do this, but you know I've been busy. You know I still love you. No, go up to them and say, listen, I've missed out on these things. Just so you know, it kills me inside that I haven't been a part of your life for these certain experiences. And instead of just saying sorry for it, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to make up for it. And then lay out the plan. Tell them how you plan on making things different and what you're going to do. So if they notice some changes in you, if you start texting them and calling them out of the blue anymore and, and you become more annoying when you didn't do that in the past and reach out to them and they don't really like how it feels, just tell me, listen, throw me a bone, help me out. Then if I'm overdoing it, let me know. But from my own consciousness and to, to try to be a better dad, I need to engage with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop doing a lot of whatever it was that you believe that you should have been doing in the past. You're going to work on that. You're going to get better at that. But you're not just saying sorry. You're telling them what you're going to do to make up for what you did. Well, you guys, that's my episode for today for OG Therapy. Again, uh, I just want to thank uh, all of you guys for listening to the podcast, for, for sharing with your friends. And also I want to give a shout out and thanks to all my students in my classes because I'm not saying that. All bad dad, all dads out there are bad, but I'm definitely seeing a trend throughout the years where dads are the disengaged, uh, less active in their kids' lives. And for anyone to say, "Oh, if a dad's not a part of their kid's life, it doesn't affect the, the kids," it's you know they'll be totally fine. Or my dad wasn't part of my life, and I turned out totally just right. Yeah. I'm not saying that if your dad's not part of your life, or if your dad's not engaged, or you know, let's say your dad is engaged, but he's kind of a kind of a jerk and kind of hard nosed. I'm not saying that you're going to be totally screwed up. But what I am saying is that you have an advantage if we're engaged, if we're a part of their learning process instead of just a part of the disciplining or a part of the frustrations. Well, you guys, thank you very much. And thank you for following us on Instagram. Thank you for following us on YouTube. If you don't follow us on those, please do follow, follow us on those. You'll be noticing that I'll be doing more reels recently or lately coming up for YouTube. We're really starting to try and drive in the YouTube channel the YouTube channels where um, I want people to start looking at our content. I want them to to watch the videos. Not that you have to watch the videos, but I think the videos of these episodes, you can see my body language. Hopefully you can see my sincerity and, and, and really the message I'm trying to get across to you guys and the information I'm sharing after sitting for 24 years now in the mental health industry with families and kids and teenagers going through all different types of hard times. And thank you, of course, as always, for helping me to light the fight. 
After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.